reading of Mark chapter 9. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arriving in great power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus appeared with, was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any other earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dear son, loved one. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone that they had seen it, what they had seen, until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? <clears throat> Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready, yet, well, why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? <clears throat> but I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him, just as the scriptures predicted. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grins his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the devil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy but well, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. <clears throat> he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again.
Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd of people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Leaving that religion, excuse me, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of, the, of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. But they didn't answer because they had been arguing. Because Jesus asked them, what were you discussing? After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, they were arguing who was the greatest among them. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one will, who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth. That person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it will be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seizing. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Amen. Amen. All right. On step one, like little children. Oh, that's in chapter 10. That's for our next, our next test.
let's go ahead and read some of the um, the important points of uh, how about cooperation and peace, not cutthroat. Competition says the recovery Bible must characterize our interpersonal relationships. Jesus instructed his disciples to fully and peacefully accept others who minister to in his name. Okay. He approved of those who were building up the kingdom of God. And even if they were not part of his core group to disciples. It's interesting how Jesus said they will not talk bad against me if they're using my name to pray for others. Right? It says in verse 39, don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. So a person can take the name of Jesus and perform miracles here. So let's not be shy on praying for people with a miracle. Sometimes it takes a few months for it, for the words to catch up and start working. So let's just keep on believing and have faith in that process. We can identify our weaknesses by making an honest moral inventory of our lives and then take action to cut off our offensive parts so we can begin the process of healing. It is usually wise to have the help of a support group as we follow through on such drastic measures. Amen. Through a series of startling statements, Jesus admonished his disciples to get rid of anything in their lives that might draw them away from God. For us, could be TikTok, YouTube, arguing, uh, obsession with sports, something that's taking the place of reading an hour a day minimum of the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, taking notes. We can identify our weaknesses by making an honest moral inventory of our lives and then take actions to cut off our offensive, time-consuming habits. God is patient with us and His love is patience. And we're not getting the things, the happiness we need if we don't get into the Word of God like we're doing right now. I salute you, choir. Amen. I salute you that you're here listening because the Holy Spirit is in you. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the word that's been read today. Bring it on home, Lord, into our hearts. May we enjoy this meal and think about it all day long. For it is life unto us, the word of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, the point we're making is, let's go ahead and pray for others. I'm going to pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus, I command sickness to leave your body in the name of Jesus Christ and never return again. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command sickness and disease to leave your body and never to return in Jesus' name. I command poverty, loneliness, and lack to leave your body and never enter in again. In the name of Jesus Christ, I seal you with the oil of gladness, with the Holy Spirit, and with the godly skills God has 
unction you has given you for his glory for his honor i command sadness and discouragement and self-pity and loneliness to leave your body in the name of jesus christ of nazareth never to return again i command poverty and lack to leave your body to leave your presence in the name of Jesus Christ and never to return again. I command that goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Be blessed, family. Enjoy the rest of this day. God bless you. Greetings, family. We'll be reading Mark chapter 9. Let's pray. God, grant us the strength to see further than we can see, hear further than we can hear, and help us to obtain it and, and, and plant it in our hearts, Lord God, so that we may be believers, true believers, Lord God. Thank you for giving us the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Father that you have promised us your love, your kindness, and your assurance, Lord God, as sons and daughters of your great kingdom, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be in it. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We praise your power. We praise your strength. We, we sing songs unto you, Lord, and through the songs you give us strength. Through the songs you, you hear our calling, our prayers. We sing unto you and you give us the joys of our hearts, Lord God, giving us Listen, hearing ears, listening eyes. <laughs> Let's see through your kingdom for your glory and your honor. Thank you, Father, for being our daddy. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, welcome to today's reading. We are going through the book of Mark as the uh, readings from the 365 Bible are in coincidence that we, uh, we are reading also the recovery Bible. So, I'm always trying to get a system that we can get the most for our hour of learning. And so you'll see. Right now I'm going to read chapter 9 of Mark, the New Living Testament and the Recovery Bible. But first of all, I'm going to read what the commentary says about recovery, what they gleam out of this for the purpose of our recovery. And everybody is in some form of recovery. Laziness is a big one. TikTok uh is a big one. Uh, being stimulated by one short video after another one. I'm the primary sinner here. You know, boxing. I've seen so many boxing of uh, that it's amazing that the hoo ha hee! <laughs> These whacking, knocking their heads off, man. I love it. But I also have discipline that I need to read my word, love God. And be of service to others. I love you. God, no one has told you they love you. I love you. I give you a hug. High five. You are the kind of people I, I run with. We roll together in this thing. We're one in Christ. You're my brother. You're my sister. We roll in Christ together. We roll as a family of God. We have, we live in the same house. 
in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So here we go. The commentary of the New Living Testament Bible, Recovery Bible, it says, between chapters 9, 14, and 29, which I'm going to read, it says, through honest self-examination, the father of the demon-possessed boy acknowledged both relief and doubt. Excuse me, belief and doubt. The father acknowledged both of them. He, he believed and doubt. He believed that Jesus could restore his son to help, but he questioned whether Jesus would do so. Sometimes we feel the same way. We see how God has delivered others and believed that God can help, but we fear that he will refuse to help us. Perhaps we're afraid that God will think us unworthy of his deliverance. God never works that way. Not only is he able to help us, but he also wants to help us. Not only is he able to help us, but he also wants to help us. We must turn to him in faith, ask for his help and forgiveness, and follow his revealed will for us. God will do the rest. Amen. And the argument over who was the greatest in God's kingdom ran counter to everything Jesus stood for. True greatness is measured by how we serve others. That service for the disciples included showing love for all people, even a little child. We may not be tempted to turn away from needy children, but what about the many adults who need our help? Do we turn away people who are poor, homeless, hungry, or addicted? God heals our hurts so we can help others get the healing they need. Not so we can rise to a higher position in society if we fail to help needy people. We are pushing Jesus right out of our lives. Cooperation and peace. Note, I just want to add that to a lot. Um, we ran into a homeless person the other day at the park. Well, he was not homeless. He was just a, a young 30-year-old with a bag, and I was wondering if he was an angel, and I wonder if he was. it was a test for me because they said he, we, uh, we fed him. And... Uh, and, you know, my understanding was he was well-dressed and he's probably got, the mom probably kicked him out, 30 years old and not working. Why? Because we let him in the room. We provided Wi-Fi, we provided phones, we provided food and comfort. Why does he need to go out there and work? And then his mind is in on the computer. We all have a child or two like that, okay? So, you know, I would say, hey, destroy the nest if you have to. Destroy the nest. That's what the birds do. <laughs> you know that? Some birds, they say they start destroying the nest and the comfort, man. And they leave that bird to fend for himself. I love it. I love nature. Uh, they better teach us better than what we do. But again, God could be working in the... Again, I love society because society says that we can only hold people so long before they start bringing us down. I mean, three days at the max, you know, I, I take, I done this. I picked up people in there and, and some, some got saved and some stole, you know, some, uh, just keep repeating this over and over and over year after year after year after year and has contaminated every other person in the fellowship and they know the, uh, so you got to have Holy Spirit wisdom. 
I once give up, picked up a young man that was at the park with his bag. They threw him out, the dad, 18-year-old. And uh, I ran like an army over here. I paid him for his work. And then I said, I'm paying you so much, but I'm deducting so much for your room and board. And you're going to get this much when you leave. And I told him what a, a man always has money in his pocket. And we worked together for three days. We pulled the things out of the garage. We put things in place. And then this dad came and picked him up. And I guess his education. And he came in and checked with later. He says, I'm back in school. Things are great. Thank you very much. See how we can get in the way of uh, them being humble. You know, being on the street and being poor in America, uh, there's so much. They don't want to go into a disciplined place where they got to get up at 6 in the morning and wash the toilet and pray. There's plenty of churches that have, like, you know, that, that will do that, take people in. And we pour money into those areas so that they'd be available. It's like you uh, putting somebody up in a hotel, but you give it to an association that a person lives there, a halfway house, and helps them, and they have a good regimen. Others don't have such a good. I, in my experience, is that you need to have uh, overhead structure of words, which is the 12 traditions, the 12 steps, or something that you everybody knows is turned on about, you know. God runs this place, there's, you know. Common sense is the, uh, is the uh, in honesty are the chiefs in this house. Respect is one big thing. You know, things like that, you know, that no drinking, no cussing, just, you know, no watching TV, no staying in the house all day long watching TV while you get out there and look for a job. Make your lunch, put your shoes on, your, act like you have a job, go out. Your job is to go out there and find a job. You go out there and look at the ads in the coffee shop and look around and start hitting the bushes and act as you will and God will do the rest. He will direct you. You know, go. I love you. Let's get going right here. Oh, boy. I didn't get a good nice rest, as you can tell. I went to sleep late. At, I got up 2.30 in the morning yesterday. I went to the meeting, I, went, I did two meetings. I did the coffee in the morning for a group that I didn't have to. It, the lady was talking suicide about a month ago, so we started praying for her. It says that their kid from Irvine came down, he was drinking, he went to go see if she was drinking and see if she had pills. And she said she had a bunch of pills on the table and he came and looked at them, but they are for her dog that has cancer and is ready to pass away any time. And, uh, she was saying, well, what's the use of my life? What good am I doing? And so forth and everything. So uh, I, I told the wife, and we started praying for her. And she has had a miraculous change. She's talking about how she just really, she's wanted to buy a new car and put it in the garage when the dog dies. And then she's, because she don't want to put them in the, in the, always takes them all over the place in her oak truck right now. Uh, how, how she did a, t a table, and, and she's speaking life and hobbies and enjoyment. And I, I told the wife, I said, hey, prayer works. We prayed for her. She did a 360. You know, so if you feel like you want to kill yourself, pray for other people, okay? 
Make cookies for your worst enemies and go take them. And don't let no one see you do it. You know, buy things and do things for others that they suspect somebody did it, but they don't know. You'll get out of your head. Now, remember this uh, chapter 9 of Mark, if we ever get to it, it talks about cooperating, cooperation and peace, not cutthroat or competition, must characterize our interpersonal relationships. Jesus instructed his disciples to fully and peacefully accept others who ministered in his name. He approved of those who were building up the kingdom of God, even if they were not part of his core group of disciples. Come on now. He wanted cell groups, and that's what we are. We are a cell group in the name of Jesus Christ, pushing his venue forward. Amen? So much, so must we, if we fail to do so and cause others to lose their faith, we will suffer the painful consequences. In other words, don't take somebody to ugly talk, ugly imagination, uh, anger. You control yourself. No big deals, remember? No big deals. This too shall pass. Keep it simple, okay? Uh, <clears throat> but for the grace of God, these mantras work. First things first, say to yourself, thank God for the situation. First things first, that you thank God, the first line of defense. Thank God for your next thought. Thank God for your next action. Thank God. Take a hold of your soul. Our soul has got contaminated with problems, with devils, with habits. And the only way to take control of our soul is by thanking God for our next thought, our next action. Before we do anything, we acknowledge the Lord God and we shall have success in His ways, not our ways. I used to thank God that I can rob a bank. It didn't go well. Thank God I can open that safe. I only got one open, but I, I believe it was already open for the next person to come in. And it was only $16 in that safe. Okay, we can use our faith wrongly, or we can use it rightly and get rewarded. I thank God I'm a misfit. I thank God I was a thief. I thank God I messed up. I learned that that's not the life I want. Some people say I was looking for the thrill adrenaline, and I was really looking for God in those actions of looking for God. God is watching you, but the most amazing thing about it is that we are watching ourselves too. Somehow, some way, there's an eye looking at ourselves, and it's ourselves too, our conduct, our soul, our willpower, and our ability to, to discipline ourselves. We are looking at ourselves too. And once that look is satisfied that, that we have earned a new habit, it will come in and help us. And then God comes in and help us. A lot of times we cry for situations and things and we have not earned them. We have not earned them. We have not earned the hand of that lovely girl. We have not earned that nice job or the discipline. We, didn't, we hadn't gotten to sleep or, or done our homework like, you know, study the company, study the skills, study, keep buying tools, keep, remember, we're unruly, undisciplined people. We need to keep ourselves uh, looking and, and making a, a service statement, mantra, that I will always learn and be grateful for this job, for it's paying my bills and giving me something to eat. And I'll never be hungry again. Amen. In Jesus' name.
a statement for you to, to have respect for the job, to don't bite the hand that's feeding you. And because it's really the hand of God that got into your job. Even and don't talk bad about the job, talk good about the job. Say, God bless them. May they be strengthened. I don't know how many people have uh, killed themselves because the job closed. I remember the big old Ford plant over here in Pico Rivera, you know, it was on Washington Boulevard. It was huge. And I was I was in a bar and I was talking to this um big old man, giant black man. And he was drinking there and I was having a drink with him. That's when I used to drink. And I started talking to him and he was not here. He was just, he was well-dressed and he was stunned. And he was talking crazy. He goes, the plant closed. I've been there 30 years, blah, blah, blah. I got this, I got... You see, not the fact that his financial situation was changed. The fact is that his soul was contaminated with the work. He had made the work his... God, okay? And, and we're all easily can get into that. You know, when I got married, I told the girl, hey, hey you're going to be second nature, baby. I'm putting God first. And if you don't study with me and go forward on this thing and learn words, then we ain't got nothing here. Today, as you know, we study and we learn word. We put God's word first. And we have rhinoceros skin. We don't, we don't hurt each other. If I don't say, I love you, good night and all that, we're fine. I told her, I told you I love you when I married you 13 years ago. That should be enough. If it changes, I'll let you know. I'm kidding. I eat well. <laughs> anyway, guys, I didn't get that much sleep and I'm rambling on and uh, I think I'm going to read this and then wait till I rest and then I'll read the book of Mark. So here's the other um, consequence. Let me finish the... Uh... Here we go. The uh, What the... Bible says about Mark 9, the recovery Bible. Cooperation and peace, not cutthroat competition, must characterize our interpersonal relationships. Jesus introduced his disciples to fully and peacefully accept others who ministered in his name. He approved of those who were building up the kingdom of God, even if they were not part of his core group of disciples. So must we. If we fail to do so and cause others to lose their faith, we will suffer the painful consequences. Hmm. Okay, through a series of startling statements, Jesus admonished his disciples to get rid of anything in their lives that might draw them away from God. For us, this could refer to our besetting addictions and the emotional baggage that supports them. <laughs> Very well said, huh? Besetting addictions or uh, continual addictions. The emotional merry-go-round that supports them. We can identify our weaknesses by making an honest moral inventory of our lives. Making an inventory of our lives. Thanking God for every problem. Going back in, in, in your life history and take God with you, folks. A lot of us go back there, and all we do is is we 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 blur out "f you." You know, we see the, we see that fight all over again with another person, and we and we and get into what you call insanity thinking. 
You know, I talk to a lot of people and, and uh, find out why they're having financial difficulties as you go back into their mind inventory and they have not settled problems properly. And I say, well, let's go back and let's take Jesus along with us. Let's go back into our timeline where that situation happened. Okay, now let's go ahead and, and dissolve everything by thanking Jesus That's for the situation. Thanking Jesus for your part. Thanking Jesus for their part. Thank you, Jesus, for God's principles that got violated there, like forgiveness, not thievery or jealousy. Were you at the right place? First of all, were you sinning where you were in that relationship? Were you stealing an object? What happened? Were you, were you arrogant? Were you, uh, you know this drift. Something contaminated the situation, and it just went wrong, right? Good friends, gossip, uh violations and everything and big hurts have are stuck inside our system the way we go back we go back with a tambourine and with jesus and start thanking god hitting those things over the head with a tambourine i thank you for this i thank you for that i thank you god for that happened i thank you lord god that that, that i stole so-and-so's uh best girl i thank you they stole my girl i thank you lord god this happened you know that's the way one of the problems is, is that we were putting them ahead. That's the main problem that I see is people put another person in, instead of Jesus on that seat. Who's sitting on your throne? Who are you worshiping? If your girl does this, girl does that, who are you worshiping? That's the problem. Is it the job? Is it the income? Is it your Social Security check? Is it your SSI check? What do you, you better, ha, ha, ha. You're going to mess it up for all of us by worshiping the wrong thing. You got to worship Jesus. You got to say, all power, all glory. I praise your power. I praise your strength, Lord. I praise your love and your goodness. The problem is we can't see Jesus. We can't use our imagination rightly. And it just seems like we're, we're just, you know, shooting in the dark. You know, that's faith is. So that's why we have to build up these words so we can see a, a blueprint of what we're shooting for. When we had a set, set of words that say, praise me, the Lord Jesus, about your problem. I know those words are not there, but you can put enough verses together. So I will never leave you nor forsake you. You will walk through the waters and you will not drown. You will walk through the fire and you will swim through the fire, and it will not burn you. You get my drift? And I'm lost, folks. Bring me back. Let me finish this reading, and I'll, we'll finish this. Through a series of startling statements, Jesus admonishes his disciples to get rid of anything in their lives that might draw them away from God. For us, this could refer to our besetting addictions and the emotional baggage that supports them. We can identify our weaknesses by making an honest moral inventory of our lives and then taking actions to cut off our offensive parts so we can begin the process of healing. It is usually wise to have the help of a support group as we follow through on such drastic measures. It is drastic measures, folks. It is an emergency, and we need to put pin on paper and write down the ugliest things that ever happened and <clears throat> start praying for them and and 
filling them full of oil for 45 days or praying for the situation. It doesn't matter what happened. The fact is, is that principles were violated. And we ask God to forgive us for our part. And we thank God for the part of the other person. All that we're doing was probably being directed to the that sin that was wrong, where we went wrong. If you think you didn't do wrong, you're probably wrong. If you think that you didn't do anything wrong, you're probably wrong because you probably were not thankful or grateful for the things you've given you. And that would have kept you from scrapes. It would have kept you from going in there in the first place and being involved in that situation. And the Lord probably told us, and we didn't acknowledge the Lord if we should go in there or not. Best way is the we will have an unction from the Holy Spirit way down in our in our belly, what property to buy, what person to marry, what car to have, you know, or it will be presented to us, you know. Fernando, do you need a car? Huh? I was just praying for a car. I need a car. How much you got? Oh, I only got four hundred and something dollars. Well, I got that car there. She goes, give me three. I actually, I'll, I'll offer you 350 And the young girl looked at me like, really? She goes, okay. And it needed some work, so I had to do some work on it. And God answered the prayer. Who buys a car for 350 You remember how the Lord told uh, his disciples? Well, we need to feed these 5,000, these 4,000 people. How much you got? Well, how much you got? Well, we only got uh, seven fishes and two, seven loaves of bread and two fish. Okay. And he goes, that should be enough. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will be moved for you. In Jesus' name, I declare you whole. Shalom, shalom. Perfect shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. By the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I put you in the altar. That you are God's property. Hallelujah. He will burn up anything that's not his. You are the sacrifice of the Lord, your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. May the Lord love you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.